There's only one nation, Raider Nation. You're listening to Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back. Silver and Black tonight here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio, Southern California's only all Raiders talk show. And Southern California is hot. That's right. Not only the temperature, but the Super Bowl is in town. We might have the warmest Super Bowl by temperature in the history of the game, in the history of the NFL. The last one back in the 70s, 84 degrees. We might top that. We might top 90 degrees out at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood for the big game on Sunday. Hi, everybody. Scott Colbranson, your host, along with my co-host. That is my good friend, Mr. Maurice Moten. Mo joins us now. And Mo, it is going to be a hot time in the city tonight. Uh, in Los Angeles as this game, the Bengals, the Rams, the the hype is almost over. It's almost time for game time. It's going to be a good game, I think. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good game. A lot of people have hit me up because they're trying to win some money. I get it. Uh, VR's uh, expert bets and picks came out today. So if you want to win some money <laughs> off of a prop bet, you want to pick the right line, check that on Bleacher Report. My name is on it along with five other experts. So as you said, fun time. In the football world, the Super Bowl coming up. I'm just ready for the game to start. Yeah, no kidding. And and we have lots to talk about, obviously, in Raider Nation as well as we get set for the show here. Uh, but, Mo, a lot going on with the Raiders this week. Of course, we had coaching staff moves, uh, and we want to start there because I think there's some significant things that happened here that, that I think Raider fans should be excited about. I don't know if fans get that excited about coaching staff, but with everything changing with Josh McDaniels, with Ziegler, Dave Ziegler as the uh, general manager, things are in motion. This team is starting to take form. And we're starting to learn about the men who are going to build that team on the field and coach up the players that are already on the roster and those players that we don't know will be on the roster. Let's start with the big one so far this uh, this week. That was, of course, defensive coordinator Patrick Graham. You wrote about him, a lot written about him. Uh, I think Raider Nation, some of folks who might not keep track of the coaching ranks were like the Giants. They're terrible. Uh, talk about Patrick Graham. Why should Raiders fans be excited about him coming in to replace Gus Bradley and run that defense well first of all I want to say when you when you dissect what a coordinator has done for a team you have to look beyond to two stats that most people look at yards allowed points points allowed people look at those two stats and think they have the whole picture of what that coordinator defensive or offensive coordinator has, has done for his team and with Patrick Graham I think he gets a bad rap because the Giants oh, let's be honest their overall stats weren't good as far as defense is concerned. But if you look at the, the whole picture, the Giants offense was pretty bad. <laughs> Giants <laughs> offense ranked 27th in time of possession, which means that defense is on the field more than 26 other units. Uh, the other thing, that defense started with the third worst field position in the league, I believe, mm. starting from their own 31-yard line. So not only was that defense on the field a lot, 
they had to work with a lot of short fields. And still, and still that Giants team, their defensive red zone scoring percentage was still ninth in the league. So that tells you, even though they were put in a lot of bad positions by their offense and their special teams, his defense still came through and was a bright spot in a lot of moments. And a lot of people remember that Monday night football game against the Chiefs. I know that's like kind of like the, the bright spot, but he's done more than that game. He's done more for that Giants team than that game. There's a reason why Brian Dayball wanted to keep him in New York. No question. And and the other thing, too, and, and some have made a bigger deal out of this than most. I mean, after all, he is a football coach. But here's a guy who went to Yale. Um, this is a really smart, heady guy. And sometimes that gets a bad rap in the game of football. But if you've seen, uh, and I, I heard an interview this week, Mo, I don't know if you had a chance, and, and I didn't get audio for it for the show, unfortunately, from Charlie Weiss. Charlie Weiss hired Patrick Graham as a grad assistant at Notre Dame kind of giving him a start to his career. And then he's progressed through some of these great jobs. And and I'm just impressed with the guy overall. And you talk about what we talked about with some of the the leftover coaches after the Gruden disaster, like Rich Bisaccia and some of the other coaches, like Rod Marinelli, who, by the way, congratulations, retired this week. Um, Those were all kind of character guys. They always talked about them being uh, great leaders of men. Patrick Graham seems to be one of those guys. So if I'm a Max Crosby, if I'm in Yannick Gakwe, if I'm a Jonathan Abram, some of those guys on that defense, I would be really excited about this guy. Yeah, I would be too, but not to just put it out there as rainbows and unicorns. I understand <laughs> Raiders fans angst about this hire because when you hear about smart guy uses a lot of schemes, makes changes, you get nervous because you think Paul Gunther. Because if you remember what I believe Will Compton said about Paul Gunther and his shortcomings was the fact that Paul Gunther would throw too much at them during the week and leading up to game day. So they would practice a bunch of schemes, a bunch of systems, and then go into the game and not use half that stuff. So guys are having issues with communication. That's why you see busted coverages on the back end. But what I will say about Patrick Graham is, Graham is, although he's very multiple, he wants to be multiple with his defense, he's willing to pull it back. And he did that last year with the Giants when the Giants defense struggled. Mid-season, he scrapped a lot of blitzes, went back to zone because they were trying to run some more man coverages, Went back to what worked in 2020 because he had a much better rated defense in 2020. I believe it was ninth in, in points of yards allowed and 12th in the other. So he he's able to adjust. It's just that if he gives his defense too much and he sees their communication issues, he will roll it back. This isn't a Paul Gunther situation where it's, this is my system and I'm sticking to it and I'm going to be stubborn about it. Patrick Graham is very, very flexible. That's the great point. And that's the thing. That's what you want leaders to be, right? You want them to win things because no matter how good you are at something, uh, and, and that goes for coaching, things will change. You will have to make, and you always joke during Raider games, right? You're, you're joking, but you're serious, which is what are the halftime adjustments, right? So coaches have to make those adjustments on the fly during the season based on their talent, based on performance. And so to see what Patrick Graham has done there, I think is huge. And, and so that's going to be fun. And it's going to be, I think, nice to watch how he develops. And to your point about unicorn and rainbows, um, yeah, we'll see how he does, right? And we'll see how they put that roster together. There's holes on that defense. Uh, on the interior, on the back end. There's a lot of things that they need to do, uh, and a coach doesn't solve all ills no matter how good they are. Speaking of defense too, Mo, if we look at the um, uh, defensive side of the ball too, Jason Simmons, the defensive passing game coach, was all, also hired, the pa- he was with the Panthers, the Packers. He coached with Graham, not a surprise there. When you look at someone like, you know, a lot of people don't look at the defensive passing game coach as a big acquisition, but I like Jason Simmons. Uh, that passing game obviously needs some work. They need some more talent there. Uh, but talk a little bit about him and what you know. 
Well, as far as with Jason Simmons, I know that he's coached with Graham, so there's there's going to be some synergy there, similar to Ron Miles and Gus Bradley. So you you want that, as you said, a defensive passing game coach, which I think the Raiders do need a coach with the Panthers. So I, I think the teams where he's been on, you know, their secondaries have been pretty, you know, pretty decent or good. So it's for the Raiders with John Abram in the back in the on the in the defensive backfield with Gillespie coming up with Trayvon Merrick coming up. Uh, you might have to sign another corner because I, I actually think Casey Hayward is going to follow Gus Bradley to Indianapolis and the Rays are going to have to get another mm. cornerback, possibly a young cornerback. I think you want a defensive pass game coach because he specializes in that specific area. You got a lot of young guys, Patrick Graham, as I just mentioned, dealing with a lot of schemes, very multiple. So you need guys under you that's going to kind of micromanage things for your for certain sections of the, of the defense. So I think it's a pretty decent hire. Yeah, absolutely. And then we also stay on the defensive side of the ball. Chris Ash from Ohio State, the defensive backs coach. And then here's the one I think that threw a lot of us, or at least uh, some in Raider Nation, for a loop. And, and, and rankings aren't always, to your point earlier, aren't always the best measure. But you look at Tom McMahon, special teams coach, re- replaces Rich Bisaccia, obviously. Uh, he was in Denver last year, 27th ranked special teams unit in the NFL. Should it, should we should we read too much into that? I wouldn't because it, first of all, how is that ranked? You know, what what is, you know, what is scored and what is taken off as far as points with these rankings? Anytime you have a ranking, it's subjective. There are no right answers. So, while someone may rank something 27th, someone may rank it 15th. You know, like what is the point system there? So, I I'm not too up in arms about the higher, I know a lot of Denver Broncos fans are like, Raiders are getting, aren't getting anything good here. But, <laughs> um, well, I mean, we'll see. I mean, the Raiders have pretty good punter, pretty good kicker. If you, if you don't say, if I don't say so myself, but I, I think it's just for now, a lot of people freak out about any specific hire when they look at these rankings. They go, Oh my God, he's terrible. And yeah. it's like, well, well, what do you have on your roster and what does he have to work with? Now, I will yeah. say one thing. He was, I believe the orchestrator of one of those cult special teams plays that didn't uh, work out. So I'll just Google that and you'll see what I'm talking about. But I, I think that's the, the Pat McAfee, fine. the Pat McAfee yes. play, right? Yes. The yes, punt. Yes. The worst punt yes. in the history of, of the NFL. <laughs> the, the way the formation looked was just out of whack. But oh my God. I wouldn't, pin, I wouldn't pin that one play on Tommy man and say, this is who he is. But of yeah. course the Raiders brought him in because he has a history with Josh McDaniels. I believe they coached together in St. Louis. So it makes Correct. sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Those relationships, just like any profession, relationships mean so much. And so a lot of these guys, a lot of the coaches, you'll you'll see the connection. Of course, the coaching trees, right? The coaching trees and Josh McDaniels, where he's come from, the Belichick tree, and some of those uh, as they mix together. And he looks for people who he knows has the same philosophy as him to come in to this Las Vegas Raiders team and do what he wants to do. Uh, Mo, I want to switch. Oh, by the way, coming up, Next segment, we're talking all Raiders right now, of course, but it is Super Bowl week, so we got to talk about Super Bowl week, and I want nothing more, and Mo wants nothing more than to put some money in your pocket, right? So that's what we want to do, and to do that, we're bringing on our good friend, Jeff Parlis from the VEASAN Network. If you know the VEASAN Network, uh, they cover all the gaming. He hosts a show on there. He's going to come on, and he's going to tell us, Mo. Although Mostradamus should just tell us because he sees the future. Um, <laughs> he's going to tell us uh, what we should bet on. Like, what are all those great prop bets, right? Prop bets for the Super Bowl. I know, Mo, you've written on this too. You just talked about it with Bleacher Report as well. Uh, so you'll, you'll have some great stuff there. So we'll talk to Jeff. We'll try to make you some money. That's coming up in the next segment. Right now, I want to switch gears, Mo, and I want to talk a little bit about some conversation I saw 
really since before the end of the season, and even going into last season because of the relationships um, uh, that are that are connected, which I'll get to in a second. But a lot of Raiders fans, and again, fans are fans. They're not in the front office. They're not making the money decisions. But I respect Raiders fans. I respect the nation. Um, all I've been seeing is a lot of, oh, got to go get Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, Devontae Adams, right? So the Raiders do need wide receivers. There's no question, okay? It's a position of need. Is it the only one? No. But I am arguing, Mo, right now, uh, and, and we'll see if you agree with me or not, that Devontae Adams, while if you can get him, great, but we're seeing the number floated in a couple reports from reputable publications that Devontae Adams wants in the neighborhood of 30 mil a year, Okay. Great wide receiver, not taking anything away from him. Would he be great in silver and black? Absolutely. Would that be awesome to see on the field there at Allegiant Stadium? Yes. But with all this team needs to do to get to a point, not to be competitive, because they're competitive now, but to win a championship, they need to fill more holes. They need to sign their quarterback if that's indeed what they're going to do, which is what I think they're going to do. Um, I don't think it's a good idea. I don't think fans should even go there. Fans can say, yes, it would be great to Devontae Adams, but I'm looking at the whole roster and saying, boy, there's a lot of receivers. But, Mo, you talk this week a lot about look at what Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler did last year in the last couple of years in New England uh, and what and what the formula was for them to kind of get that team, quote-unquote, rebuilt. Yeah, I want to just go through the whole Devontae Adams thing really quick because I talked I, about yep. this, I believe it was Wednesday night, and I just want to say really quick, with the Packers, I don't say they have all the leverage, but let's just say Aaron Rodgers leaves Green Bay, goes somewhere else. They're probably going to use that that free open cap space now to franchise tag Devontae Adams. Like the Packers can do that and just keep and just hold them in. They you know work on a new deal and they have a deadline. I believe that's in July, so they would have the cap space to then franchise tag him. If Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay, he's going to want Devontae Adams to stay there with him. And I believe he made a comment saying that Devontae Adams' franchise tag window is is a it's kind of like a starting point when he wants to make his decision. He kind of wants to see what the Packers will do with Adams, and then he'll make his decision. So those two, for the most part, they're probably going to end up being together, either if it's in Green Bay or somewhere somewhere else. Devontae Adams right. is a wide receiver. You've played most of your career, played your right. career with Aaron Rodgers. Why would you want to leave that? He's still playing at an MVP level. Now, to your point about the way Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels have operated in New England, they, they're not known for spending big money, top wide, number one wide receiver money on a, on a guy and bringing him in to uplift the offense. They're known for spreading spreading the money around. That's what Dave Ziegler mm-hmm. did last year, changed the Patriots approach, and that's why he spent so much money last offseason. Brought in John o. Smith, brought in Hunter Henry, brought in Kendrick Bourne, brought in Nelson Aguilar, who Raiders fans are familiar with. So they didn't put all their eggs in one basket. Even though this one basket, Devontae Adams, is, the, is arguably the best wide receiver in the league, no doubt. They're going to probably spread that money around because, as you mentioned, Raiders have other needs to fill. Yeah, there's no question. And and, that, and that's my point, right, which is it's great to have luxuries, but when you need so much, when you need interior defensive linemen, when you need a, a right side of an offensive line, for example, to protect your quarterback because the quarterback does need to get the ball downfield, um, those types of things, that's where, that's where I say – you know, there's, there's, there tends to be, I think, a lot of effort put into fans. And this isn't just Raider Nation. This is, I think, I see it in sports more and more today, which is go get the big su- – you have to have the big superstar to win. But if we look at what the Patriots – again, 
I don't care if you hate the Patriots. You got to look at what they did, and this is where these guys came from, Mo. And they're going to, if you look at a model and how they've built that there, that's what they've done. It's not that they don't go out and get them from time to time, the super-duper all-star free agent, but more than that, you look for guys who can fit your system fit the need that you have at that time, and then you coach them up, they fit within the system, and they understand the offense, and that leads to success or the defense as well. And so to me, that's where Raider fans should look. Don't look for the big, sexy high. Great, if you go get Devonta Adams and then you have to sign Derek Carr to a $25, $30 million contract, and then suddenly, you know, I, I think people feel like the Raiders have so much money they can go out and sign everything they need by just signing a bunch of A-level free agents and having a couple draft picks. Uh, but that's not how you build a roster. Yeah, but I mean, that's how fans think. So I get it. Fans want the sure. best available player at every position. And that's the I think Devontae Devontae Adams talk is more closer to a pipe dream than reality. I will bring up I think the Raiders should target Allen Robinson. I think that's more yes. of a realistic a great target one. because he's coming off of a down year and I think I don't think he's gonna ask for top dollar. The other thing is, what did Mark Davis say during the intro press conference? He said he kinda he liked what the Patriots have done with uh Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler last year because they did it with no name. Remember yes. that? He said yes. that. He said they yes. kind of did it how the old Raiders used to do things with no names. So when you hear something like that, you kind of think, okay, not that they're going to build a roster full of just no names, but they're not going to necessarily spend a lot of money on the biggest names. No, and, and that's the key right there, which is, yes, when you need to go out and make a splash, you do that. Now, I'm, I'm, I've looked at, I'm starting to go deeper, we'll go deeper on shows coming up in the, in the coming weeks. Um, on some of the position needs for the Raiders and who's out there from a free agent standpoint. But if you look at the offensive line, would I be mad if they went out and signed someone that is stellar offensive line, a right tackle, for example, uh, if there was one available, uh, that was that was a massive superstar? No, I would be fine with that. But again, that's the offensive line, different price cut. When you talk about a Devonta Adams, as great as he is, but you're looking to your point. I mean, you brought up Allen Robinson, which is the greatest example there is because there's a, there's a great wide receiver who would have a tremendous impact on the Raiders' offense – and then they can still go draft a young kid as well to supplement and then go pick up a couple guys off the street that are pretty good uh, wide receivers that, 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 that they can coach up like the Patriots have done forever, by the way. Uh, and so to me, that's what you do is you have to look at kind of a little bit of the sausage making, right? It's not the beautiful ribeye steak sometime. It's, it's, it's putting together some ground beef and getting a good meal out of it and leaving the table with a, with a full tummy, man. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to just really quick, because I know we're up against the time, but I just think Allen Robinson, Jahan Dotson, two Penn mm. State wide receivers together on the outside with Hunter Renfro on the slot. I think that would be an elite wide receiver unit. Oh, boy. Penn, it would be uh, Penn State West is what you're saying? I'm just saying, I, I like the combination. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I love it. But then that's that's going to be fun this offseason because I'm really excited to see, you know, and I have a little bit, I have like that 25% of skepticism until I see the moves they make. You know, I think that's where fans, fans should be excited. I think the new leadership with McDaniels, with Ziegler, is exciting, right? It's something, they, they come from a successful organization. So that's a start. It's not like they came from the Jets, Sorry, New York. Um, but wow. but you, just yeah, threw the I, Jets I, I, under the bus. Come on. Hey, I mean it's the Jets. Jeez. So, but yes. So, <laughs> but I think I think fans should get excited. But be excited as you see that roster built up, and it's not always going to be the sexy name. Sometimes the cute girl next door is better than the supermodel uptown. So just you know, 
just, I think, be patient with that. Uh, and, and I think they'll get this roster where it needs to be. All right, so we're coming up on the first break here, uh, Mo. And when we come back, we're going to be joined by Jeff Parles. We're going to make some money, hopefully, on this Super Bowl. And then we'll close out the show uh, next segment talking about the Super Bowl. And we'll give us, or we'll give us, we'll give you, gosh, Hello. We'll give you our take on the big game coming up at SoFi. By the way, Mo, can you imagine 90 degrees in February for a Super Bowl in Los Angeles? Yeah, because it's Los Angeles. I mean, that's that's not the normal <laughs> here in New York City, but when you're no. out in Los Angeles on the West Coast, you get that luxury. You definitely do. Yeah, but not in February. I mean, that's like hot, man. That's really hot. So it'll be interesting. All right, we're going to step aside, and when we come back, we're going to be joined by VEASAN's Jeff Parles. He's going to go through all the bets you need to make to make some money Sunday in the big game, the Super Bowl, the Bengals against the Rams. You're listening to Silver and Black today. Scott Branson, Mo Moten, only on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. We will be right back with Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Now back to Scott and Mo on Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back here on Silver and Black tonight only on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. Welcome back, Scott Branson, Mo Moten with you. We are switching gears. Yes, we talk Raiders football, but it is Super Bowl weekend. We are going deep on the Super Bowl, but not about the game. You're hearing that everywhere. It's all over the place. What we want to do, Mo, is we want to help our folks out there, our listeners and our viewers uh, up on YouTube. By the way, if you haven't subscribed up on the YouTube channel, make sure you do. Um, But our good friend Scott Kaplan, who hosts the show in the midday here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio, is going to be happy you're wearing your sided hat which is phenomenal, Uh, and you can go up there and debate to your heart's content as well. Uh, But, Mo, we're going to talk about betting because we want to make people some money, don't we? We absolutely do. We don't want poor people out in the streets. (laughs) We don't. We want them to have fun (laughs) with the Super Bowl. And so when it comes to the Super Bowl, if we're going to talk about the Super Bowl, then we want to bring in a good friend of the show, someone that we know uh, can tell us what we should do or at least be partially responsible for our losses. No, I'm kidding. Uh, and that is Mr. Jeff Parles who, Parles, who joins us now. He is the host of Bet Center on VSIN. If you don't know who he is, then you're probably not making very much money. Jeff, thanks for being with us here and getting down, getting dirty, talking about the Super Bowl. Guys, it's awesome to be with you. And of course, Scott, I'm happy you said that it's someone to partially blame if this goes awry. <laughs> That's what I like. That's what I like saying to someone else uh, when they're a guest on our show. So, yes, uh, I, I, that's, I, I've used I've used I, now that I've used that line on someone else. I'm happy it's finally come back to me uh, in full circle here to end this NFL season. Well, Jeff, you know, we're just giving a countdown. You know, Jeff, I have to say from a personal side, recently got engaged. So congratulations uh, and my condolences. My condolences as well. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. She's a beautiful woman. You're going to have a wonderful life. I've been married 25 years. It's awesome. You're going to love it. Uh, We're working on Mo. I'm trying to work on some dates for him. But nonetheless, uh, he's a busy guy. Um, But listen, we want to start off with betting in 2021 for the season. I mean, uh, this this business of of games 
gaming when it comes to the NFL, college football too, but we'll, we'll focus on the NFL. This continues to grow throughout the country, legalized gaming in more and more states. I'm in Ohio now. They finally signed the bill. It's a done deal. They just now have to put in the structure to do it. Talk a little bit about how the season was in 2021 when it came to betting on professional football. Well, uh, Scott, it's a, it's a loaded question. So there's a <laughs> lot to look at here. Uh, because if you look at it from jurisdictions that got added, really the biggest one of the biggest jurisdictions, period, now was just added during the playoffs in New York. Yeah. And New York setting all sorts of records. Uh, they, they're already with record handle in their first less than a month of having uh, the mobile betting legalized. They had in-person betting, but that wasn't that big. But now that it's on your phone there in New York, it's it's absurd how uh, how much has been bet over the first month there. Over Well over a billion, close to a billion and a half handle-wise, which is just outrageous. Uh, from a betting perspective, look, it was pretty chalky through the early parts of the, parts of the season. And then, actually, it's funny, a game that, that, that featured one of these teams that is playing in the Super Bowl, the Bengals lost to the Jets on Halloween. Mike White mm. threw for over 400 yards, became an overnight sensation. After that game kind of catapulted this, there were, there were multiple weeks in a row where there was one, two, three big underdogs winning, not just covering, but winning outright. So that's what we have to take from this game this year, where we may see chalk early in the year uh, going forward, but because of the extra 17th game, you're going to see more teams taking weeks off. So you may have more blow up weeks than we've had in the past where you see not just one big underdog winning outright, but three teams, four teams that are six points or more underdog uh, end up winning outright. I think that's one thing that we saw this year that we haven't really seen in the past. And I think that's something that's probably here to stay because of that 18th week and 17th game. And if the league adds an 18th regular season game, which we all assume will happen at some point, you got to imagine that it's going to even lead to more late season wonkiness moving forward. Now, piggybacking off that point, and I, and I agree with you, I think that extra week adds, uh, takes away some urgency, so to speak. So what was the biggest surprise for you during the season? What 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 outright win from the underdog had you had your eyes bugging out of your head like, wow, can't believe that happened? Jackson, Jacksonville against Buffalo. Jacksonville against Buffalo. That's still the result of all the results this year. Look, this the, all the other, like, like a lot of the big upsets, like the Jets over Cincinnati, which I just mentioned, like, yeah, that was ridiculous that Mike White threw for over 400 yards. But <laughs> at least from a gambling sense, it made sense why Cincinnati had the letdown. They had just come off beating Baltimore by a lot for the first time in a long time. And it was their third straight road game. Like, that made sense from a handicapping perspective, other than the fact that the Jets barely look like a football team for the previous month. But, uh, but again, no Jets love on the show. No. Uh, well, I'm a Jets fan. That's why I'm okay yeah. with going after him. Uh, but, but, mm-hmm. but, guys. That Jacksonville Buffalo game, 9 6. The last of we saw of Josh Allen this year, Josh Allen was on his way to leading Buffalo to the Super Bowl. Let's face it. I think at Buffalo, I know Cincinnati went to Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs. I don't think that would have happened in Western New York. I think Buffalo would have no. handled them just because that pass rush is much better than Kansas City's. Uh, and Cincinnati's old line barely held up against Kansas City's, if you want to say that is barely holding up. But the one individual game, though, even more than Jacksonville upsetting Indy, because you could see the cracks with Indy going into that game. Uh, we saw it in Week 17 against the Raiders. The Raiders pulled that upset outright in that game. 
Uh, but that loss that Buffalo took at Jacksonville is the most inexplicable loss that I can remember in the regular season, period, probably in the last decade. Uh, the only one that comes close was actually Buffalo's involved on the other side where they went to Minnesota early in the season and beat the Vikings as 16.5-point underdogs. Uh, that wrecked having on eliminator pools that year. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, that individual result, Jacksonville beating Buffalo. And, and in the end, that ended up being a very important result because Buffalo ended up having to go to Arrowhead in that game instead of having that game in Western New York. Jeff Harless from Jeff, v, uh, really? v, VEASAN Bet Center is our guest. Go ahead, Mo. Just really quick, Jeff just mentioned he's a Jets fan. Coming from a family of Jets fans, you're invited to the Thanksgiving dinners, Jeff. All right. Jets fan, <laughs> my, my family loves – even though I grew up a Raider fan, my family loves the Jets. But I wanted to – I just wanted to get your opinion because I, I just put out a column on Bleacher Report about prop bets, mm -hmm. and I, I had two favorites that stood out to me. Uh, Evan McPherson making a 50-plus yard field goal. I believe he led the league in 50-plus yarders during the season. I believe he's kicked three of them in the last two games. The other one, fourth down conversion for either team, but I would go with Cincy. Um, I, I, they were third, I believe, in, in fourth down conversions during the season. So those are two bets that I really like. And you had a sheet of paper before we before you got on, and you, I know you have a bunch. I just wanted you to share some of your favorites that you have written down for yourself. Yeah, so uh, I, I'll just full disclosure here for the YouTube page. Here you go. Uh, I, I got, <laughs> I got, I got highlights on on these two pages. Um, so the fourth down conversion one I, in the past, I usually do like betting that, Mo. Uh, I would mm -hmm. lean towards Cincinnati if you're going to want to bet that. The only thing is you're going to be laying more yep. juice than with the Rams. Uh, but mm -hmm. if you think the, you know, that bet really depends on your game flow, uh, what you think the game flow is going to be. If you think yeah. Cincinnati's going to have to have a drive late and they're going to have to go for it on fourth down, then yes, you, you, you do that. Same deal with the Rams. The one worry that you have on the Rams side is that Sean McVay is very conservative and is more willing to kick Sorry. on fourth and short uh, than a lot of coaches mm -hmm. at this point in the league. So uh, that's the one thing there. Um, you bring you bring up uh, you bring up kicking props, Mo. I, I, I'll go. Uh, I, I love Evan McPherson. The kid is a rock star. <laughs> and I, I have Evan McPherson over seven and a half points. I have Evan McPherson over a, a field goal and a half. Part of the reason that I like McPherson props in this game is we've seen this this whole postseason. We saw it in all three games. The Bengal offense really struggled in the red zone because of their yeah. offensive line. And yeah. in the red zone, there was, it, it, we saw it in the Raider game, which, let's face it, that was probably the best pass rush they faced in this postseason. I know the Titans got nine sacks, but the Raiders' pass rush I like better than Tennessee's going into those games. They were able to pin their ears back and go after Burrow in the red zone because, all right, if they throw a touchdown, so be it. They're in the red zone. So I think you're going to see more struggles like that against what will be the best defensive line that they face in this postseason. And I think we're going to see more McPherson kicks than expected here. So uh, I, I like those. And then one other one that I will say, I love the Rams to be the team to score, to do, excuse me, not to score, but to take a timeout first. Because ah. Sean McVay likes burning those timeouts better he than does. anyone. It's yes. up to minus 125. <laughs> I think that's good up to minus 140. Uh, again, you could get – you could get screwed with, with like a lost challenge by Taylor or a communication issue, but I, I very much would be, be willing to lay uh, up to a dollar forty on the Rams to take a first time out just because of the way that McVeigh is willing to burn those left and right. <laughs> Heck, he didn't care in the second half. He had, he had no timeouts left with ten minutes to go in the NFC title. I know. Game. I didn't hurt him. 
It, it's crazy. Uh, that's what happens. Those Ohio guys are nuts. Um, one of the value <laughs> bets. One of the value bets that I like, Jeff, a lot. I want to get your your view on this one. Uh, is is uh, Odell Beckham Jr. as an MVP value bet at plus twenty eight hundred? The last time I saw. Now maybe it's changed. Uh, what do you think of that one? And then I got another Rams wide receiver for you in just a second. I think it's hard for a non-quarterback to win the MVP mm. this go-around because of the narrative that will be at play here. Because Beckham's the only one that may have a narrative go his way just because of obviously what happened with Cleveland and now he, he looks like Odell Beckham again in L.A. Uh, but I just think it's hard for for a wide receiver, even if Cup goes off for 200 yards or Chase goes up off for 200 yards, the way that that narrative will go, that means if either anyone goes for 200 yards receiving, that means Stafford or Burrow throwing for 400. Yeah, and it's going to be really difficult to not see a path where either of those guys win the award. So it's hard for me to bet a non-quarterback to win this award. I think Burrow is the best value on the board uh, in that plus 250 mm. range. That's a bigger price than the Bengals winning the game outright. I just, I just don't see a way that Cincinnati wins this game and Burrow doesn't win the MVP unless if. Either A, they win the game with Burrow getting hurt, which won't happen. Uh, if Burrow gets hurt, Brandon, it, 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 there's no way they're no not way. winning that game. Yeah, no way. Um, and, yeah. and their defense, unless of like Eli Apple or someone ridiculous, uh, Von Bell, the multiple pick sixes, <laughs> kind of like the Dexter Jackson way <laughs> oh, yeah. back in that Super Bowl. Sorry to yeah, sorry yeah. to bring up bad memories on that, yeah. but but that's yeah. that's really the only path. Like you get a blowout and 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 it's and, Unfortunately for for backers of a defensive player in this game on the Cincinnati side, it's not Brad Johnson playing quarterback on the other end. So right. uh, Burrow would win that award uh, more times than not. What about so Jeff? Really quick, go ahead. Go, go uh, ahead far, sorry, Scott. But I just right. wanted to fit another one here. I'm being greedy here, but one of my colleagues, Connor Rogers, suggested one prop bet: success a successful two point conversion. I think that one was intriguing to me because of how aggressive you know the game is played now, and I, and I think at plus two fifty, I, I think that's that's something that should intrigue some people if they're if they're thinking that you know it could get aggressive late, especially if it's a close game. Yeah, I, I have no problem with that, Mo. I, I, I am not. I don't have that on my list. I usually do have that on my list. Uh, but again, I'm concerned that these head coaches are very different than what we're used to seeing in this game. Even though I love McVay X's and O's wise, I think he's one of the five best in the league, if not better than top five. But he's a menace in game. He just is, and he's very <laughs> conservative also, too. So I'm a little bit concerned unless he has to go for two uh, in that scenario. And Zach Taylor has been very conservative in this postseason. Uh, so I, I would just be worried about those guys going in their shell unless they absolutely have to go for a two. But, look, I don't have a problem. As long as you're getting in that plus 240, plus 250 range, I have no problem taking that bet and betting the yes on will there be a two-point conversion that is successful in the game. Nice. Uh, all right, Jeff. So, so we get to the game itself and the prop bets. We could go on all day, and and there's fantastic <laughs> stuff. Make sure you watch Bet Center. Make sure you watch Bet Center on Veasan uh, with Jeff, so that so that you get all the background uh, ready for Sunday's game. Uh, but Jeff, we look at the game itself. The Bengals had a lot of money coming in. Uh, Rams get the biggest bet ever, right on a football game. How do you see this one working? I, I look at this game, and and from a betting perspective, man, you you want to your heart 
gets caught in it, not just because I'm in Cincinnati now because I'm not a Bengals fan, but you kind of like, well, geez, it would be great to see this Bengals team who nobody thought had a chance do it. But then on the other side, you have that Rams defense, uh, and you look at the current line. How do you see this one folding out? Where's the money coming in on, and how do you think it's going to end up by Sunday? Yeah, I think, look, Cincinnati's, I think, is clearly the popular side getting bet right now, just the way that it's moved from what open four, up to four and a half, back to four. Uh, you even see some three and a half as we're recording this now, and wouldn't be shocked if we see uh, three and a half uh, for a little bit over the weekend as well. Uh, again, I think the game closes four. I think that's a fair number. Mm. Uh, at four, four and a half, I would take Cincinnati. At three and a half, I wouldn't bite. Um, but, uh, the total loss has been bet down 48 and a half predominant number right now as well. I think that move from 50 to 48 and a half is probably right. Uh, just the way that the way that you're talking about, I know the Rams were there just a few years ago, but it's basically a, it's a pretty different group, uh, especially offensively from what it was the last time they were there. So they may be a little bit tighter than expected. Uh, but I, I'm going to take with Cincinnati four, four and a half. I, I would take with the Bengals. I think this is a field goal game either way. Wouldn't shock me if the Rams win by a field goal. Wouldn't shock me since he wins by a field goal. The only result in this game that would surprise me is the Bengals by a blowout. Cincinnati yeah. winning big would surprise me. The Rams winning big, there's a path there. Uh, the Bengal offensive line finally catches up to him. Aaron Donald and company up front have a humongous game. Von Miller, who is the last defensive Super Bowl MVP, has another big game, uh, but I, I think the Rams win a close game. So I'll take the points with the Bengals, uh, but L.A. wins the game outright would be my bet. Wow, there you go. Jeff, man, it's always great to hear from you, and uh, this is going to be a fun Super Bowl, I think. Uh, the 90-degree temperature in Los Angeles in February, which is crazy. That's Vegas temperatures. Uh, so we'll enjoy it. But make sure you follow Jeff at Jeff, P-A-R-L-E-S, on Twitter, and of course, check him out on Bet Center on Visa. Jeff, thanks for being with us, my man. We'll talk to you real soon. Scott, Appreciate Mo, it. it's uh, it's a pleasure to be on with you guys, and we'll talk again soon. And good luck to everyone out there placing a wager. And I know there will be a be a lot of you this year <laughs> placing wagers. All right, thanks again to Jeff Parles for joining us, Mo. Uh, we look at the Super Bowl. It's time for us now to weigh in on this uh, from just a straight-out game perspective. I look at this game, you know, I'm in Cincinnati now. It would be great for the city here. The fans here are such good people, uh, and they've waited so long to get to this point. I really believe it's going to be a, a close game. I love Cincinnati. I love Joe Burrow. I love the wide receiver core they have. Yes, Jamar Chase gets a lot of the sexy headlines, but they have a whole core of guys who are doing pretty damn good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tyler Boyd, one of the better slot wide receivers in the game. T. Higgins, the second rounder. Of course, they got the star of, of the group in Jamar Chase. But that goes back to my point about the Raiders. They don't need to pay $30 million for a wide receiver. <laughs> I, I, don't get me wrong. Devontae Adams would be awesome. It would be great. Yeah. It would be terrific. But they don't have to go that route. And they could still, as you, as you point out earlier in the show, Get a wide receiver, stuff money on the table to address other needs. Uh, but we look at this game, too. I look at Cincinnati. I think it's going to be a close game. I really, really do. But I look for this thing to go back and forth. I think it's going to be one of the better games we've seen in a long time. Uh, and I like, I think whoever can get the ball last uh, is going to win the game. And I think it's going to be a good game. Jeff said bet the, the Bengals with the points if it's at four or four and a half. I agree with him there because even if the Rams win, I think it could be by a field goal. Shout out to Jeff though, and he, you know, he he threw out the Jets fandom thing, and, and it dear dear to my heart. And then he threw out the Dexter Jackson thing, and I'm like, come on. Oh Jeff. yeah, 
<laughs> Ouch. Bad memory for Raider fans. Ouchies. But um, it kind of makes me nervous because he, 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 you know, he's playing the money with the Bengals. I actually, I actually actually going with the Rams 28, 23. So oh, I'm so over that, that, that four point spread just yeah. by a point. But as he said, that line could move a little bit, but I expect it to settle. It, it went to four and a half and it went back to four over the past 24 hours. So kind of makes me nervous because Jeff knows what he's doing, but I'm, I'm going to stick to Rams 28, 23 over the Bengals. Nice. I'm here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say that the the Bengals. Maybe I have to do this because my neighbors will kill me. Uh, I think the Bengals are going to squeak it out in one of the greatest Super Bowl wins of all time, just because of where they came from, winning four games a year ago. They're going to win this thing thirty to twenty-eight. I don't know how they miss a kick because Evan McPherson's automatic, but I think it's going to be thirty twenty-eight, close game. So they're going to not only cover, but they're going to win outright. So that's my prediction. Could go the other way. Rams are a really good team. That defense scares me if I'm a Bengals fan, but it should be fun. And Mo, we have to also before we go, we got about a minute left. Um, we got to talk about the well overdue induction, finally of the great one, Cliff Branch, who's been on the show here with us before he passed, of course, one of the highlights of my career. Uh, But Cliff Branch, finally going to be a Hall of Famer. Why it took so long, we have no idea. But at least he can smile down from above and his family can enjoy it now. Yeah, why don't we give people their flowers when they're alive? And it it just... Sad that it took this long, but it's finally good that he's finally, you know, going to get in his just due. As Raiders fans have been screaming out every, almost every year that he should be in, and finally that's come in. So, uh, congrats to him. And as you said, I know he's falling down happy <laughs> yeah. to see that. Well, that's going to close out the show. Remember, make sure you read Mo up on Bleacher Report. He writes about the entire NFL, including some of the betting we talked about today. So check him out on Twitter as well at Mo Moton M O E M O T O N. I am at LV Gully, L-V-G-U-L-Y-L-L-Y. Oh, my gosh, I can't spell. And uh, you could also read both of us on sportsnot.com as well, where we write about the Raiders. So, Mo, enjoy the game. We'll talk about the result uh, next week, and we'll also talk about any other Raiders news that comes up. Yeah, just pray that I don't put away all my money on my prop bets because if I, you know, if I miss out, you may not hear me next week on the show. I might, I might be outside, you know, bagging groceries. So just keep that in mind. Keep me yeah, in I appreciate you all listening in. All right, for Mo Moat and I am Scott Colbrands, and this has been Silver and Black tonight, only on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll talk to you next week.